So not only were we working uh, at a very young age, and, and that was also a shock because coming from India, I mean, we've lived like kings and queens, right? And you know, Matt, you've been in India, so you know how people live there with, uh, with all the resources that they have. Coming to Canada, just, just working, grinding, and then paying rent, paying for the car, paying for your tuitions, it, it puts a toll on a, on a kid's uh, uh, head. So, so in essence, when he gave me that, it was just, just a, very, a lesson that I learned uh, that, wow, the, you know, what my dad did was just, you know, super smart, impressive, and, um, and it was just mind-blowing. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. We've got Serge Shaktiva on the show today. He is an active investor after an entrepreneur from the junior year of college to today. Still has the same company, still has the same partners. He's going to talk about excellence, lying and consistent, and honest effort. He's going to talk a lot about the power of fun and how to find it and the importance of the people around you. Welcome to the show and welcome to The Edge of Excellence. Well, Serge Sativa, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast now four times in a row and finally showing up. Welcome to The Edge of Excellence. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, Serge, we're going to start this off the way we always start this off. What is your definition of excellence? Oh, wow. Great question, uh, Matt. Um, yeah, excellence to me, if I look back, um, it means uh, just being consistent, consistent and being honest in anything that you do, whether that's in uh, business or it's in your uh, personal life. You know, most of us have goals. Um, uh, some of us have way too many goals and expect immediate results or, you know, and lack of patience. Rather, uh, focusing on the efforts and the results will come is my definition, is what I teach my kids all the time. Uh, in the end, I would say, yeah, consistency is, uh, is excellence because consistency is hard work and it really pays off. All right. So is it that consistency and honesty leads to excellence? Because people can't see right now, but I'm holding up my harmonica and I am consistently practicing this harmonica. I've been doing it for about two months and I really suck at it. Um, so by your definition, I'm consistent, I'm honest, but I'm not excellent. So is it that consistency and honesty and effort leads to excellence? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you'll get better, Matt. You'll see it. You'll get better someday. It really does. You know, it just people, people say that uh, I'm bored doing monotonous work and bored doing all this and, and, and they get sidetracked. But I, I really think that if you're just 
you know, focused and being consistent with, uh, with things, you know, even, even I say this to my wife, I'm, I'm consistent in my marriage with this. I know that there are certain things that I need to do and put efforts in for that to, to work. So, so really that, uh, I think it absolutely works. So if you're listening right now and you're worried, because I don't know if you know this Serge, but lots of people in their twenties are worried that they're not as great as they want to be. And if you're worried that you're not as great as you want to be, and I talk about patience a lot, be patient. You can become excellent. According to Serge, who's got a huge business, you can become excellent. It just won't happen today. I'm not going to be excellent at the harmonica by the end of the year, but in 10 years, I could be really good if I consistently and honestly focused on my effort. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're anxious about, because you watch too much Instagram videos and TikTok videos, whatever you're impatient about, pause for a second and think, is there any way surge can be wrong? No. Consistent, honest effort will get you there. But Serge, you got an interesting story. You got one that people really want to hear straight out of college. You started a business all by yourself, straight out of college. I became an entrepreneur because of two other people were already entrepreneurs and they kind of started it before me. You did it the other way. So we're going to get into that. Before we do, you come from Toronto, Canada, where people talk funny and eat weird French fries. You went to high school at Silver T Silverthorne High School, which I think my buddy Steve sent his kids there too. What was life like in high school? Were you already kicking butt? Were you not? Did you know what you needed to do? Did you not? How did you, what was going on in high school with you? Well, was I kicking butt? No, I was, uh, I was struggling. Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, life, generally speaking, in, in high school. It was more about uh, just, just fun. Not, I mean, we were always independent. Uh, I, I always worked independently at the age of 14, ever since we moved to Toronto. So I, I had a little bit of a head on my shoulder with responsibility. But for the most part, I, I've always uh, had fun in every, every step of my life. So high school generally was, uh, was pretty easy, cheesy, fun, and, uh, and uh, just always was struggling for, for my, you know, ever since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be in business. So I was always struggling and always had that in the back of my head, what it is that I'm going to do, What's, what business am I going to get into? So, so that's it, yeah. Okay, well, that's exactly what we needed to hear. So, first of all, what were you getting good grades? Yes. Okay. So, high school was fun and you were achieving. And then you said you always had fun. And sometimes people think you have to work or have fun. And I think you can have fun at work. We're having fun right now. I think you can have fun with your family. You can have fun with your friends. Everything can be fun. So early in life, you went for the, I'm going to be an achiever and have fun while I'm doing it, right? Absolutely. And how, how did you manage that? How do you manage having fun while you're studying? How do you manage having fun while you're working a job? How did you do that? I, I mean, it, it's, uh, first is it's, it's your friends, your, your, your company, you know, you just got to make sure that uh, you have the right folks, right friends you know, just having fun with, with friends, um, leads to, you know, for me, at least in high school, you know, group studies were, were really fun. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, so it's, it's just, just 
I think I would say just having the right friends would probably do the, do the trick. Okay. So you got some friends that are dragging you down. You got some friends that are narcissists. You got some friends that are negative. You get rid of them and you focus on the ones that are lifting you up that have the same values and vision you do. If you're listening right now, same values and vision, and then they're lifting you. You're growing from them as you move forward. And you probably have a lens on those glasses of yours that's a little bit rose-colored, and you're scanning around looking for a way to find the enjoyment in what you're doing, right? Absolutely. You, you got to have fun, really. I mean, th- this is something my dad, I mean, I saw that my dad, he, he, was, he was a real hard worker. Uh, but every night he would uh, he would have his friends over or his business associates and they would have fun, uh, you know, drinking, eating and and uh, and doing work. So I've, I've always uh, gauged that from him. And I've learned that you've you got to have fun in life. Otherwise, it's all meaningless. All right. And you can have fun while you're at work and then come home with those same people. You can have fun while you're at school. You can learn to enjoy math class. You can learn to focus on how you're growing and make fun out of it. And then you have a second thing that you mentioned that people want to hear about, Serge, and that's that you were racking your brain on what business to go into all the way back to high school. You probably had some some anxiety like just about everybody does now, but not as much because you didn't have Instagram waving in your face. Um, How did you get through that kind of painful time of really worrying that it's not happening right now and I got to have a business idea? How did you get through that? Honestly, my dad, I mean, uh, my dad, um, so he, you know, when I used to live in Toronto, my dad was in India and he, he was always a a self-made man. He's always into business and he would always coach us, guide us. Um, you know, he said, he always said, just be patient. It will come to you. You know, I would always kind of just worry dad, what's, uh, you know, like the economy in Canada was bad at the time when I was in college and it was, uh, you know, we were talking, I remember talking to my dad so, so many times and, and he would say, just be patient. Something will come. We'll figure it out. Um, and, you know, so I think, I think that helped a whole lot, just kind of mentoring me and calming me down and, uh, and then a little bit of luck. All right. So if you're listening right now and you don't have a dad or your dad's not so supportive, we've covered this in other shows. It's important to find a support structure. Go find it. My son's got this friend, Van, who's got great parents, but Van comes to my office and shares his business ideas with me and looks to me for some support. I have a friend who passed away a year ago this month in a car accident. His kids are calling me up all the time. They're coming over for dinner. I've become the support in his absence. So you can find somebody because people want to do it. We want to help you. Serge was lucky. He had a dad who was wise and then even better, Serge realized that because most most people don't realize that their parents have some wisdom that they can take out of them. But you want to find a good support structure to help you find, help you calm down, help you be less, uh, less, less anxious, help you be more patient. And so you move from high school at Silverthorne in Toronto. You're eating those. What are those greasy fries you guys eat there? Poutine. You're eating your poutine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner like a good Canadian. Wearing your plaid red shirt, shooting at moose, which are really not the greatest animals. They're not as bad as geese or swans or camels, but they're up there. And you end up going to Toronto again, boring, um, for college. So you wanted to stay close. I was going to stay close to home, but your home was all the way back in India. So you're somewhat brave. And in college, 
something weird happened. Now you were doing pretty well in college. You're having fun getting good grades in college, right? I was getting average grades. I was kind of a little off track, a little focused. And what's what's average grades, by the way? Uh, as B's and C's, probably. God, I hope your son listens to this, and I hope my son listens to this. <laughs> you and I hold our sons to a higher standard. I've been grinding my son so hard, and he's kicking my butt on my GPA, and I just keep pushing him, keep pushing him. Okay, so you're getting pretty good grades, and this is where I'm going to put a little caveat. I'm going to throw a little flag up. Serge did something I don't recommend doing. He pulled the Bill Gates, and he left college a year before it was done. If I was talking to Serge back then, I'd say, hey, Serge, Wait a year, finish it, get that piece of paper, leave some doors open. So Serge didn't do that. It worked out okay, but you're in college. And while you're going into your senior year, you stop college and you start the cell phone business that was called Payless Wireless, then In Touch Wireless. Currently, same business, same brother you're in business with for 29 years. And then you merge with another company. Now it's called Arch Telecom. And you've got four partners. Total. I've got four partners total. You got a similar setup to what I have. Um, how did that happen? People want to know. They're doing the same thing you were doing. They want to be in business. They're struggling. They're anxious. How did the idea come to you? Okay, so let me backtrack a little bit. You know, my senior year in college, I have a, a family friend of mine that migrated from India to New York, and uh, he had called me one day and goes what are you doing? What's going on? I said, you know, I, I, I don't know what, what my next step is, but uh, I'm grinding and I'm doing all this. And he says, well, what, well, I'm getting into the cell phone business. I, I'm securing a contract with a company called Cellular One, which is now AT&T. And I said, what is a cellular? What is, a, what is that business all about? I had no idea what it was. So he goes, come check it out. It's in New York. My sister, one of my sisters lived in New York. She was married uh, and, and lived in New York. So I said, you know what? I'll come for a week and take a look, spend some time with you and, and, uh, and then make a decision. So we had, you know, when I went there, uh, by the way, that was it. I just, I never even went back to Toronto. I mean, I, I may have gone back once to pick up my stuff, but uh, I loved everything about not just the business, the environment, the people. Uh, he had uh, three of his friends. All four were working in one wireless store. And oh, by the way, that was uh, store number three in all of Manhattan at the time. He was the first, I, I guess, uh, dealer uh, to open the store in New York City. And um, it was on 35th Street between 5th and 6th. Um, four guys managing it from 10 to 7 every day. They were, and then afterwards, we would go out to restaurants, to for a drink, and they all four lived together in a big house. So they were co-sharing. It was just so much fun. And I, that, this goes back to what we were talking about, having fun. And I think I found it. I, you know, I, I hit my friend's name is Gary. I told Gary, I said, Gary, I love this. I want to, I want to stay here. I want to learn the business. And then once I'm fully trained, will you open a store with me? He goes, absolutely. So uh, that was in 1994 tail end of 93. And uh, in 94, uh, August, I opened my first store in Manhattan on Lexington and 56th. And that had actually a, an interesting story uh, as well, uh, which kind of goes uh, to, to my childhood days of how, how my, do my dad would, would teach us uh, the value of money. So 
you know, when, when it came time to open the store, uh, I had needed, I wanted about uh, $75,000, I believe. And, and I didn't have all this money. So naturally I went to my dad. I said, dad, I need this money. So he comes to New York. He takes a look at uh, the store. He takes a look at the business. You know, he, you know, again, they were family friends of ours. So he goes, absolutely. I'll give you, I'll give you the money for it. And which he did. I opened my first store in 94 and I paid back. I remember I paid back my dad that money about a year and a half later. And this is what he tells me. I go to my dad and said, dad, here's your check. Uh, thank you so much for, for giving me this money. And he turns around and gives it right back to me. He goes, this was all your money. That uh, So back in, in Toronto, when we were 16, my brother and I, my dad was in India. He says, you guys got to start paying rent to your, to your sister. So we used to live with our sister. And, and we were struggling. We were doing you know, part-time jobs in high, in high school, college, weren't really doing well. You know, I was working at Avis Car Rental, I believe, at the time. And, but we were, we were paying our, our sister rent to save for years. And, but, but, but in reality, my dad uh, told my sister, take the money from them, but just deposit it in an account and don't say anything. So for years, she never said anything. And that was the money that he returned back, so, uh, some of it that he returned back and some of it he paid. He goes, I just wanted to teach you guys the value of money and how important it is and how to be independent. So not only were we working uh, at a very young age, and, and that was also a shock because coming from India, I mean, we've lived like kings and queens, right? And you know, Matt, you've been in India, so you know how people live there with, uh, with all the resources that they have. Coming to Canada, just, just working, grinding, and then paying rent, paying for the car, paying for your tuitions, it, it puts a toll on a, on a kid's uh, uh, head. So, so in essence, when he gave me that, it was just, just a, very, a lesson that I learned uh, that, wow, the, you know, what my dad did was just you know, super smart, impressive, and, um, and it was just mind-blowing. Yeah, so... Uh, if, if my kids are listening right now, that's a strategy that parents take, force their kids to work. If you're a parent, force your kids to work. It makes a big difference. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast. It's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. So um, I'm going to get back to your story a little bit. You had this family friend that you were a partner with in the first store. 
you ended up uh, paying everybody back, but that's not that that person did not remain your partner, did they? No. So that was uh, very short lived for two, three years. He branched out on his own um, with a different carrier. And it was I mean, he's still one of my very closest friends. And you went into business with your brother instead. Yeah. So my brother had joined at the time when I opened my first store. You know, we 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 were in Manhattan in this one location and about a year into 95, he goes, um, I want to start expanding locations. So so he went aggressive and he opened 10 additional locations from 94 to 98. So by the end of 98, we had 11 retail locations all in Manhattan. And and he would focus on growth. He would focus on uh, the business development side. I never left the the main location, and and that was our our uh, hub, our baby. Yeah. So I met another partner, another set of brothers, um, and uh, they had same similar amount of locations in '98, and we merged just on a paper napkin deal. That's it. It was just a handshake, no contracts, no nothing. And never looked back since. Wow. So we're going to unpack some of this. And your story is so similar to mine. And I was working at a company. It fell apart. Two guys were older. They needed help. Next thing you know, we're partners on a handshake deal. We ended up writing it down because somebody told us you had to. And we've been happily living ever after. But I want to hit a couple of things you hit. First of all, you were open to an opportunity. You got a good thing going. You're racking your brain. If you're listening right now, we've been there. Serge and I have been there. You're racking your brain. You don't know what you want to do. You think you want to be in business. You got all these weird ideas. And one came out of the blue that wasn't on your list. And you were open to opportunity. You took the risk of going out. You never knew. So you had a serendipitous win. And you can't find it. You have to relax and let it come. Relax and let... That's how I found my wife. I was so concerned about never having a girlfriend in my life. I said, I'm I'm not going to say what I said because my kids may listen to this. But I stopped dating. And then it turns out this person I knew since I was in seventh grade and she was in fifth grade ended up being my first girlfriend and my wife. Once I stopped freaking out about it, it came to me. You you see this opportunity, you fly to New York, there it is, you have it. Then you said you fell in love with the industry. Now, I don't love the construction industry, but I love the teaching college students industry. How did you fall in love with this boring thing of painting? Why was that something, and, and think about the listener right now, how do they how do they get themselves to fall in love with these weird industries? So for me, it was, uh, it was the camaraderie, the friendship. Uh, you know, we would always, uh, being in Manhattan, it's fun, as you, as you can tell, it's got, a, it's a vibrant city, lots and lots of people. Technology was interesting. It's a very intriguing business and just met so many customers just uh you know after work we were together staying staying in one place we we rented a four bedroom house in queens and we would do things together on the weekend so it was just always work play eat go back to sleep re- rewind and go next day same thing at it and we're in the same boat by the way there's another similarity my partners and i lived in the same house and then we moved and we lived in the same house again one of them jay he was like 90 years old when he was 20 years old. So he was already married and starting a family. But And then there's Jeff, who's a, not as fun either. But Spence and I, and Jeff too, for the most part, Spence and I always lived together. We always had fun together. And so there might be a secret in there for people. Maybe, and it's what you said in the beginning. 
It's what worked for you in high school. How are you having fun in high school working so hard? You had the right people around you. How are you having fun starting a cellular company and all the risk and, and, and stress? You had the right people around. So first, you're serendipitous and you're looking for opportunities. Second, you fall in love with the people. You have a no asshole rule. We have that in our company. We don't want to work with you if you're an asshole. If you're not fun, if we don't like you, we all work with our best friends. It makes work not work. And then, and then third, um, you, like me, decided you don't want to do it on your own. And you had a partner that went and complimented your skill set or um, a partner that complimented your work task. So one went and expanded, one worked on the model. And you're working on the model. He's expanding. You have this trust going on. And that's kind of a roadmap for some of you listening right now. Be open to what's out there. Look for the people that you're going to fall in love with and love working with. And if you want a partner, Surgeon and I each have three partners. I don't know how people do it without. I, I find that, you know, two people in a partnership, maybe you fight, but two people equals three brains, four people equals like, equals like six brains. And yeah, you got to divvy it up, but you're divvying up something way bigger, I think. All right. So you're cruising through life. What did you do to filter these two new guys? If you're looking for partners, and we say this is the partnership episode, you've got these two new guys that are also brothers. Um, how did you get the confidence of realizing that we can do a napkin deal and we can merge our companies and we're better as a foursome than as a twosome? Was there any, was it luck or was it just decision? Was there a decision tree that you used? So throughout my life, I've, I've been a, 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 I've not been afraid of, you know, I'm a very optimistic person. I've not been afraid of, uh, you know, consequences or all, you know, what things that happen. I trust, I have a good eye for, for people. And, you know, we just hit it off. I mean, I used to meet one of the partners once a year and, and, and do deals together on a smaller scale, but, but it was just, uh, you know, over drinks, over napkin. We didn't have contracts or agreements for years. There's just uh, been so much love, so much trust. And, and to add a little bit more uh, juice to our story is, you know, the four of us live in the same community. My brother is my next door partner. My other two partners are a few homes down on the same street. Our wives are best of friends and our kids are best of friends. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, it goes back to what I said originally. It's just having fun. You got to have fun at work and we all four enjoy and we do so many things similar, like-minded. We play a lot of golf together, poker together, go on trips together, just stuff like that. And it just just really worked out well. We're and and ultimate thing is, like you said, it's the trust. There's just endless amount of trust if you're open, if you're honest about it, you know everything. I mean, we've had some tough times as a partner. You know, uh, we've had some. Uh, some lessons that we've learned, um, you know, but in the end, it's, it's the love, the respect and the trust. So you got to let go of the fear. You got to take a leap of faith and it takes effort, right? You know, be, re managing relationships, managing a partnership. In my partnership, we, you know, we lost all our money, like all of it. And then a bunch more. And we got through it because we worked on the partnership. We would have meetings about how we're feeling. We'd have vision meetings and we'd do little exercises about where we wanted to go. We'd have fierce conversations where we would address each other's issues and it made our partnership stronger through those tough times. So if you're looking for a partner, plan on working on the partnership, as uh, not as much as the business, but often, 
And you talk about letting go of fear, especially when you're young. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about starting a business, you got nothing to lose. You can let go of the fear. So now you've got your brother's your next door neighbor. Your other two partners live down the street. You're one big happy family because you're having the fierce conversations. You're discussing things. People are, are open and honest. And it may take a year to bring up, hey, I don't think you're doing your fair share, but it gets brought up. Or, hey, it may, may take a year to say, hey, thank you for what you do, but eventually it gets brought up. So let's get into what you do. So now you have basically the same business as you used to have, Arch Telecom. And if people want to find you, search because they want to work with you or they want to stalk you, is it archtelecom.com? .net. Archtelecom.net. He came late to the internet world and lost out on the .com. <laughs> um, so now you're the, are you CEO? Is that your title? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not operationally involved. I'm not the CEO. Oh, Alex even better. And... Even better. I forgot. <laughs> you're not operationally involved. So Serge goes into this business. Um, was someone else the CEO the whole time? Yes, it was Alex. Oh my God. You've got an ego that's manageable. That could never happen in my partnership. We have four <laughs> CEOs. Uh, so, so you manage your ego, you let someone else be CEO and you're working in this business, building stores, 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 and you ended up with 131. Am I guessing right? We have a little over 200 stores now. 200. So you've been building stores and you probably sold a few, bought a few, sold a few, bought a few, started a few. You're going up and down. You end up with 200 stores. At the same time, you don't retire when you're 35. You probably could have, but you would be bored. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh, I want to be surgeon. I'm going to retire at 35. When you're 35, you won't want to retire. So you're taking some of your money and you're investing together with your partners. You're taking some of your money and you're buying real estate. And now um, at, you know, in your 40s, you're no longer operational. What that means is uh, Surge helped build the business. Surge has equity in the business. Surge helps fund the business. And Surge figured out a way to, sometimes it's because people realize that they're holding the company back, not, not in Surge's case, but Surge figured out a way to move over and let his partners actually run the business the day-to-day. And Surge works more on investing and high level. So what's, what's a day in the life for Surge now, uh, now that you've been through the start grow, and then even exit the operational side. So you're sort of retired from operations. What do you do on a daily basis? Because I know it's not golf all day long. What are you doing for work? No, no. Majority of my time really goes towards, so we have a, a healthcare space business as well that we invested a few years ago. So majority of my time goes towards uh, my healthcare. And, and, and now in the last year, I've just been so fascinated with, uh, ground up construction real estate. Uh, so I'm, I'm more targeting and focusing on uh, building multifamily units. Uh, uh, hopefully our first project's gonna kick off pretty soon in, uh, in Palm Springs and, uh, and then uh, just looking at projects all over, all over you know, East Coast, West Coast. So retirement equals start over. But when you start over, you're starting in something that you already have a skill set in. Um, and real estate's a little bit out of your core competency. You start over knowing what you've been through before, knowing what you're getting into because you don't know when you're 20. And you've moved into more of an invest, an active investor role and a real estate development role in your life, right? Yeah, and, and it goes absolutely. And, and for the kids, uh, you know, I'll say this, that, um, you know, I've never... You, 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 
you can't work with fear. You you gotta, you know, you gotta get the fear out of the equation and don't be afraid to chase something. Uh, I mean, obviously, provided you do your homework thoroughly, you identify threats and and weaknesses in whatever it is that that they're going to do. But uh, once you've done that, you know, you know, like as they say, reje- rejection, and sometimes they may fail. And you know, they say rejection is redirection. Yeah. So if you're in fear right now, you can stop and think: What's the worst case scenario? How bad is that? compared to the best case scenario and everybody I keep hearing people do pro con sheets and call it. I'm so so glad they figured that out. Then you ask yourself, what do you control and work on what you control? You ask yourself, what can you improve? And you can minimize the worst case scenario by working on what you control and what you improve. And you can minimize your anxiety by realizing, Hey, the worst case scenario isn't that bad. And then you can move forward. Serge is not saying every time fear pops up to just ignore it. He is saying, analyze it, minimize it, work on what you control. So for example, my wife thought she had cancer. I didn't freak out at all, which I guess is a bad idea. She was totally freaked out, but I wasn't freaked out because I'm so trained to only work on what I control and let go of the outcome, karma yoga, um, that you know it actually pissed my wife off. So now I've learned to pretend I'm in fear <laughs> while I'm focused on what I control. She didn't have cancer. Thank God I didn't freak out. So I do want to throw a yellow flag up. I don't have a flag. I have a pen. Uh, I just want to be sensitive. You mentioned earlier, I do know how it is in India and everybody has lots of resources. Both Serge and I know that 800 million people in India have no resources, that there's people starving in the street. We recognize that there's another group of people that have tremendous resources, which he was referencing, but we are not not insensitive to the needs of Indian people. And I want to ask you one last, well, maybe two last questions, two last questions. Has your success surprised you? Meaning you come, you come to America with your sister, your parents stay, stay home. You're sitting there in college and you go off and do this crazy thing. Are you surprised at where you ended up? Oh, beyond imagination. I mean, I've been so blessed. Um, just the fact that, uh, you know, my biggest, my biggest award, my biggest achievement, I would say is, uh, is that partnership that we have with the four of us. And, and you can uh, relate to that, Matt. It's like 24 years is no joke being together with uh, three brothers that I love. Um, you know, this, uh, you know, I, I remember when we had when we had merged, uh, we were talking about, you know, we were, we had 20 stores and we said someday we're going to have 300, 400 stores and we're going to pull out X amount of money from each store. And, and long behold, 20 years later, you know, here we go. It's like, you're, it's like those words came true. So it's, uh, it, it's so to, in, in short, it, it's, it's beyond uh, surprised and, and I'm, I'm blessed to have uh, my, my friends and my partners with throughout this journey. Yeah, it's funny. The goals are like the horizon. Ours was 10, 10 divisions doing a million dollars each. One day we'd get to $10 million, which is funny to look back at that. It seemed like such a big number. I have one last question for you. Going back in time, you made some sacrifices. And at the time, they might have seemed really horrible. What would you, If you went back in time, what's the big sacrifice that you would tell yourself to make every single time you had the opportunity to make it? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Um, yeah. You know, I'll tell you like with war, with 
hard work, uh, there's always trade-offs, right? So I, I, I used to travel a whole lot, sacrificed uh, family time. But in the end, you know, don't have regrets. Don't have, I would say that, uh, I, I tell this to, to my kids all the time, nothing in life matters if you aren't having fun right? In the, in, in the end, that's what it's all about. The, you know, that journey, it, it's your journey and uh, you gotta, you gotta enjoy it. You gotta have no regrets and, you know, just be happy. So the travel, the missing family time is something that you would tell yourself to do again, provided that you were strategic about it. You had a great time with your kids when you were home, you were there at the important times, you talked it through with everybody. So they knew why you were doing it. My kids are that right. And same thing for me. I mean, I, we had to travel a lot in the beginning and uh, you know, I, I had to miss my son's birthday every year. So we would have the birthday when dad was gone, the birthday when dad got back, the, the birthday with all the friends. One year, I just decided, screw this. I'm going to bring the company to me. And we had that meeting in my hometown so I could be at my son's birthday. He says, can you go back to Park City for that meeting? Because I'd rather have three birthdays than just one birthday. <laughs> funny, funny how it works out. I guess I explained it well to him. Well, Serge, I appreciate you taking time from building new buildings and new cities, from finding great deals, from working with your business partners, from your family to come on the show and share your wisdom with other 20-somethings around the world that want to be like you. Thank you so much for coming on The Edge of Excellence. Thank you, man, brother. Really appreciate you, uh, you, you having me over. It was, it was so much fun. Well, now, now you're back on the lunch list. Welcome back. All right. Let, let's do it. Let's do it. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.